Blog Talk Radio.
evening, everybody. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Apostle Prophet Evangelist Ed Everly. I'd like to welcome everybody here in the United States and around the world tonight. And before we go into the lesson uh, word tonight, uh, I want to have prayer with you all right now, okay? Let's pray and let's ask God to bless this service tonight. Heavenly Father, I just want to praise you, exalt you, and magnify you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for this privilege to minister your word tonight on these airwaves. And, Father, I thank you for that privilege because it's an honor, Lord, and it's a very important thing in my heart and my mind, Father. I cherish and I relish it, Father, because, Lord, I know I'm glorifying you. So, Father, tonight I just pray that you'd anoint me, give me the words to say, anoint the hearers, and, Lord, just anoint the airwaves tonight. And I take authority over satanic forces, and I bind them, and I cast them down and out in the name of Jesus. And, Father, I'm believing for you for people to be saved, healed, delivered, set free, and on fire for Jesus, Lord. This is what our goal and aim and desire is, Father. So, Father, I'm thanking you for that anointing that will destroy the yoke of burden and that anointing that will enable this to happen in this service because I recognize that there's no way I could do it by anything I would teach or say or anything I know, which is you tell us in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by power and might, but my, my spirit, saith the Lord. So, Lord, by your spirit tonight, we just give you permission. We just give you permission. We invite you in, Father, just to take over this, this service. And, Father, for all that is accomplished, we will give you all the honor, praise, and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. And they all said, amen and amen and amen. Okay, well, it's nice to be back here tonight again with you all. And I have a special word tonight. And it's a very familiar thing. In fact, uh, the title of it is No Weapon Formed Against You Will Prosper. Then I have a question mark. Uh, it has a question. So it's questioning it. Now, that's taken, as you all, I'm sure most of you know, from Isaiah 54:17. And let me read that scripture. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now, this is very familiar scripture, like I said to you in the onset of the meeting tonight. And what we have to do, first of all, recognize that that is a truth. That is a truth that's the will of God that no weapon formed against you will prosper okay what are the weapons well some of the weapons we could say sickness poverty disease fear lack you name it anything that disturbs you anything that's out to destroy or hurt you now uh the psalm says in 107 20 it says it tells us that uh he sent his word to deliver us from all destructions that come our way he sent his word to heal us and deliver us from all of our destruction. So that is God's will. That's what God said he would do, okay? That's what God said he would do. Now, let's recognize that's the will of God. Now, there's something that I'm going to say right now that I have never brought out before when I've taught or spoken this verse or used this verse. But, uh, you know, I'm going to lay a foundation for what I'm going to say because it, the whole thing depends on what I'm going to say and make it really activate this and get it into operation in your life and mine. Luke 10, 19, and 20, which, again, you're familiar with, it says that we have all power over the enemy. All demon spirits are subjected to us. We have authority over them. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says that we're to cast down all imaginations and everything that exalts itself the knowledge of God, bring into captivity every thought, which simply means this. Everything that comes to us, good and bad, begins at the mind. That is our filtering system and that's why you and I have to filter it and make sure only God's word and God's truth and good things come into our mind. And then he says, cast down all imaginations and everything evil, negative from Satan, things that are to hurt you, bad, evil, dirty thoughts, whatever they might be, you cast them down. You don't receive them. You don't entertain them. You just, you just uh, get rid of them just like a mosquito lands in your arm. Right away you'll hit that mosquito to get rid of it or fly. And that's the way we have to be with these thoughts because he hurls thoughts at you. Uh, no matter who you are, he will bring thoughts to you for weapons, you see. So we must do that in order that we don't allow that thing to get through our filtering system and get down to our heart because the devil can speak sickness to us. 
let God's word speak healing and health. But if we entertain that and allow that to get down to our hearts, sickness become more of a reality than God's power and healing, you see. And we definitely don't want that. So the bigger Satan becomes, the smaller God becomes. The bigger we become, the smaller God becomes. First of all, Satan has no place in you and I because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So he's violating. He's, he's entering a new trespassing area, so he needs to get out, period. He gets out, period. So anytime he's in, around you, involved around you, you need to cast him out, you see. So I'm saying all this as a little foundation there because there's something in this Isaiah 54, 17 that is contingent upon this working. Now, it's God's will that everybody be saved too, right? No, no will. It's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance and receive his Lord and Savior. But yet many are being going down and going to hell, right? But yet it's the will of God. Okay, it's the will of God that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. But look what he said in this verse here. And like I say, I've never said this before. I've never taught it before. And I've never heard anybody say this. But it says, And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment. In other words, every evil thing that the people are using, the devil to, to hurt you or anything that comes against you uh, to try to destroy you, which is a weapon coming against you, it says, Against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Thou shalt condemn. So what does thou mean? You, you, you shall condemn. I looked that word up, thou, to make sure, because it isn't God that does the condemn, and they're already condemned by the word of God. But God isn't taking the actions there, but he says thou shalt condemn. So that means that you and I have part in this right here in order for these weapons not to prosper. And we could say no weapon formed against us will prosper if we don't allow it to. Weapons will not prosper against us if we allow if we don't allow them to. But weapons will prosper against us if we allow them. What we allow will prosper, a negative or, or, or positive, you see. So you and I have charge of this. Too many times you and I will say, "Well, God's will be done in this. God's will be done in that." Well, His will is that we are healthy, uh, wealthy, and wise, prosperous, walking in victory, fruitful, loving Him, loving one another. That's the will of God. But yet you and I have something to say and to do about that. Responsibility is on our lap. You know, God has given us everything. According to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And he's laid it before us like a big uh, buffet, right? Now, he expects you and I to eat of that buffet and every, everything there. Eat and drink of that buffet in every way that he's laid out for us that we must apply to say. He's not going to do this. He's not going to rebuke the devil for you. He tells you and I, he said, I've given you power to rebuke the devil and to cast these things down. When you and I experience negative things coming against us, it's your duty and my duty to take the authority over it. We don't just say, well, the Bible says no weapon formed against us will prosper. I say that, and I still say that, hey, no weapon's going to prosper against me. But that's not enough. That's not all. You have to take authority over what's coming against you, whether it's sickness, disease, lack, fear, worry, torment, uh, whatever it might be, any type of spirit, any forces of darkness, because you have to just do more than say no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. You must take authority over the devil. You see, you must get that strong man out of your way, out of your house, so to speak, because if you allow him there, you can say all you want until you tell him to leave. You don't ask him to leave. You tell him to leave, you see. You treat him just like Jesus did. Remember, uh, I was thinking about this before the uh, program tonight about Jesus and how he was on the uh, mountain. Remember, that was the first place he went when he was called into the ministry. Before he did anything, he went and he fasted 40 days. And remember how the enemy visited him three times? Well, those three times he visited him, what did he say to the devil? Did he use his own words? No, he didn't. He used the word of God, right? Now, that was an example to you and I. Matter of fact, what had happened when he was tempted those three times, he brought back us. You see, Adam and Eve failed in the three temptations that they had. They failed the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life in 1 John 2.16. So those three temptations came back to Jesus, and Jesus won those temptations and won back that no temptation can overtake us or nothing can overtake us. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Under those three categories, folks, is all sin. 
There's nothing outside of those three categories. That covers everything, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Adam and Eve failed them in the Garden of Eden, but God, through or Jesus Christ, in the mountain on the 40-day fast, overcame them. He overcame those things, so therefore, being he overcame all sin, that enables you and I to, to overcome all sin, you see. He made the way. He paid the price. Now, I realize that none of us are ever going to hit perfection in this life. Paul, the great man of God that he was, he said, I'm pressing towards the mark, not as though I've attained, but I'm pressing towards it in Philippians 3, 13, and 14. But yet, Jesus got those things for us. He paid that price for those things, you see. And the point I'm trying to make is the foundational point. You must see that that's God's will that nothing comes against you is going to prosper. But it's not up to God that it doesn't prosper because God made the way and showed us and told us what to do, didn't it? Through Jesus being an example for us and through his word, he's instructive. Even in this verse right here that I have never saw and said it like this before. I'll be honest with you, and I've been doing this a long time. And uh, let me read that again, because if you get nothing out of anything I say tonight, this is the greatest thing you can get out of it. Because I've never heard anybody else speak it the way I'm speaking it today. I never have. But God showed me that. And, you know, God shows you these simple things, simple ways, but yet the little foxes that will destroy our lives if we don't see them. No weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shall condemn. You will condemn. Now, if you don't condemn it, if you don't stop it, God's not going to stop it. There is time now, folks. I'm not saying this is 100% because God sovereignly does things sometimes, sometimes in spite of us. But we should be doing by his mercy and his grace. But according to this, this verse right here, we are condemned those things, you see. And it goes on a little further. I'll add this to it with the, what the word says. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That is the right. That's what we inherited from Jesus, what he paid for. We received that in, in, the, uh, in the testament, what he did for us. You see, we're under a new testament right now, a new covenant. And through the covenant, that's a heritage to you and I as Christians to have Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, you see. That's the heritage. That belongs to us. We have that right, that authority. We can get this weapons that are trying to destroy us off of us and out of our life in the name of Jesus, you see. That is that. And he said, their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Well, yes, our righteousness is of Jesus Christ, you see. He, God doesn't look at me when I stand before him in the sense of, of righteousness. He sees me in Christ, so he sees Jesus. If he would look at me... <laughs> I'd be done. If we look at you, you'd be done because we are of the righteousness of Jesus because that's why we receive him as Lord and Savior. There's one way to heaven, Acts 4.12 tells us, and that's Jesus Christ. And in him and only in him can we go to heaven. So therefore, our righteousness is a filthy rag in ourselves, but our righteousness must be of, of the sacrificial lamb, which is Jesus Christ. And when our righteousness is of him, he gives us a pass. Come on, on in. He said, there's a door there, and he said, I'll let you in, you see, but it's through Jesus, only through Jesus, Jesus only. So I wanted to lay this little foundation before I get into any, anything further on it, but just remember that uh, when the Word of God tells you something, it's always the will of God. In other words, like uh, you could do all things through Christ that stretch to you, and he wants you to prosper, be in health, and your soul prospers, and no weapon form to get you to prosper, and I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. All these things are promises, but yet there's a condition that you and I must act them out in one way or another or do something in one way or another. So we need to read those verses and leave the Holy Spirit direct us on what our part is. Because so often as human beings, we have a lazy streak in us as we say, God, do this, God, do that. Everybody wants God to do this, God to do that. And a lot of times what we want from God is things for us. It's not so much as, Lord, give me the anointing, anoint me, use me in a mighty way, direct me for what you want me to do, direct me in all things. But usually I have a need of this or I have a need of that or do this for me or do that. But we need to, to look and seek the face of God instead of his hands so much because, you know, I'm convinced if we seek his face, we're not going to have to seek his hands that much because doesn't it say in Matthew 6.33, if we seek first the kingdom of heaven, all these things will be added unto us? And I believe sometimes things don't add unto us because we're not seeking first the kingdom and what he would have us to do. 
So with that uh, said and everything there, with a little more understanding of no weapon formed against you shall prosper, recognizing that you, that you will condemn it. You will take authority by the word of God over it. Because this is a heritage. This is what Jesus paid for in the cross for you, that you have the authority over that thing that it must leave and it must go because the word of God. He said, I want you to do that. That's for you and I to do, you say. In fact, the scripture in John fourteen twelve says, the things that I do, so shall you do even greater things because I go to my Father in heaven. So we are to use that authority. We are to use that word, you say. Okay, Psalms 91, 10, and this is really a good one for this day and this hour. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. I've seen this thing work so often in so many different ways, claiming this scripture over the years. But I'm just going to just lay it out to really what it really pertains to in this hour a lot, because there's a lot of sickness, diseases, and all these things they're hearing about, this COVID-19, and you name it. A lot of things are out there, right? Well, we'll call it plagues, because that's what they are, sickness and disease, and some things that doctors never heard of, no cure, don't know what to do with, they're just playing with it. Well, fine, but no plague according to the word of God till shall come near my dwelling, you see. So as we stand upon that, believe that, and declare that, it's not going to come near us. It can't come near us because the Bible says in, in uh, Proverbs uh, 18.1, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you see, I have life in my tongue and I have death in my tongue, but I choose to speak life. I don't choose to speak death. So I speak life that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I speak life that no plague shall come nigh my dwelling, no COVID-19 or COVID-18 or anything, anything, because it has no right. It's sickness and disease. The Holy Ghost does not want disease where he dwells, you see. There's no sickness and disease in heaven, is there? Of course not. And what did Jesus pray for you and I? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he says, Ed, I want my will done in your life on this earth as well as it's going to be in heaven for you. In other words, I want you well, I want you joyful, I want you fruitful, I want you to love people, I want you to love me, I want you to serve me, I want you to exemplify me and look more like me, to win more people to me. You see, he's saying that to us here, you see. He wants us to be little replicas of what is going to be in heaven. Now, I recognize that <laughs> I'm going to fall short, and you are too. But he knows that. That's why there's a thing called grace and mercy. But there's therefore now no condemnation to them in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, according to Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation in you. You might fall down. You might start walking a half a dozen times and fall down 50 times. But we learn and we grow, you see, and you're putting forth the effort. And I'll guarantee you're going to learn quickly. In fact, there's less falling down and, and failing these days because the Holy Spirit is making things a lot more evident to us and teaching us a lot quicker and showing us a lot of things. So this is this is the attitude that we must take on all these things. So recognize these things are our enemy and they cannot prosper against us. So anything that's trying to destroy you, Psalms one oh seven twenty, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He sent that word two thousand years ago and that word is here in the form right now of the Holy Spirit and, of course, the written word, and it works now just like it did 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked the earth and he prayed or he healed people. He went through, he cast out demons. He did all these wonderful works. When he did those things, it's the same now, and it's going to be actually better because he said the latter rain will be greater than the first rain. He wants to show himself mighty through you and I like never before, even greater than when he did when he was walking this earth. So we have to just cooperate with him and be like him more, you see. And that's, that's why he, he said in the Lord's Prayer, I will be done in your life on this earth as it will be in heaven, you see. Because in heaven it will be perfect. There won't be any devil there. There will be no battles there. We'll be right there, you see. There won't be any need for that. But here's where the battlefield is. This is where it really counts for what we do. And this is where people are going to either make their – home in heaven or their home in hell, depending if they receive Christ and live for him or not. You see, this is the, the place of decision, the decision of where you're going to spend your eternity. So this is a vital thing for you and I now, the time that we are in, that we are winning people to Jesus Christ, because this is where it really counts. In heaven, <laughs> we're there. But now we want to get as many into heaven as we can, right? Okay. So I have a few points I want to bring out about this. 
this verse right here is really pertaining to this verse. First of all, we have to know where these weapons are coming from, don't we? So he tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. If you notice, as a roaring lion, he didn't say he is a roaring lion, but as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may desire or devour. Okay? He's seeking who he can say boo to and they're going to jump and, and listen to him, you see. He's seeking who's going to give in to his whims or who's going to fight him, you see. Now, if we're doing what we should do, he'll say, hey, I can't do anything with that man. I can't do anything with that woman. They're standing on the word of God. I'm not going to be able to do anything here, so I'm going to look for somebody that's going to waver or go by emotions or, or be afraid of me when I say boo. So you see, who's going to be soft enough and who's going to be uh, uh, not serving God and just be in their flesh enough that the devil can come around and just take a hold of them and he can just uh, take them. He can devour them, you see. Because if you don't use the word of God, if you're not solid in Jesus Christ and use his word, Satan will devour you. He will. He will. We're no match for the devil in ourselves. The only reason we can talk, the only reason I talk the way I do, act the way I do, and say the way I do, is because that's not me. It's because the Holy Ghost is within me. Jesus, the greater one, is there. And therefore, he's doing the battle, not me. He's doing the healing. He's doing everything. It's not me. If I had to stand up here about myself, I wouldn't be standing up here. I wouldn't even open my mouth. But he's doing it. See, I'm bragging on Jesus Christ what he can do. So therefore, I have to know the things that come at me. Are they of God or are they of the devil? You see, we need to discern that. So you and I need to pray, according to James 1.4, Lord, give me wisdom. Or excuse me, James 1.5. Give me wisdom, Lord. I need your wisdom. He said he'll give us wisdom. He'll give us wisdom. And we need discernment in these days, one of the gifts of the Spirit. We need discernment in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, we need to recognize. We need to be able to discern what's of God. We need to uh, understand things. We need wisdom. We need understanding. So if you're looking for things to pray about, there are the things we need to pray for. That's what I'm talking about. We want to win souls. We want to be used mightily. We want to uh, go where God wants us. But in the going process, Lord, give me understanding. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment. Because if I go without that, I'm going to get chopped down, you see. We need that because these are weapons for you and I. These are weapons that we don't get hurt. Okay? So we need to know where evil comes from. Is it evil or not? Some people don't even know what evil is. They don't recognize something that comes their way. They don't know if it's of God or not. Uh, the devil can speak to them and say, well, it's uh, winter season will be coming up, so you're going to get the flu. And this person will get that thought, and right away they'll say, yeah, winter's coming up here, and the flu goes around, so I know I'll get the flu this year. And how many people have you heard say that? I've heard many people, and I've heard many people talk they're going to get this, they're going to get that, my this and my that. Well, right there you see what you're doing He's looking for people that he can devour, and he devours people like that that speak his words because his words say, I'm going to get sick, I'm going to get the flu, I'm going to get this, I'm going to do that. That's what he wants to hear because he'll keep penetrating your brain with that type of thing, and after a while you'll feel the symptoms, you see, because fear and listening to the devil's voice, which brings fear, will work just like the word of God works. Faith will bring results, you see. Fear brings a negative result, listen to the devil. Faith brings God's results of the good things, you see. It isn't just limited. We say faith and this will happen. We use our faith, miracles happen. Yes, great things happen, but you use a negative thing right there. You have the negative thoughts and agree with what the devil says. He will show you that stuff, and it's not too very pleasant, the sickness and disease and all those things. So you see, he's seeking whom he can devour. Who's going to be foolish enough to speak what he speaks, you know, and, and not take God's word and stand up upon the word and, and resist him, you see. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you, James 4, 7, and 8. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, the scripture said. So, folks, we need to learn and know the word of God and come out with that word like a machine gun. When you do that and you believe in your heart, and I'm not going to just talk about quoting scripture the way I do. I'm talking about in your heart that you actually believe it because uh, a person that has a photographic memory can quote things well, and some people can quote the whole Bible almost, you know, if you have a photographic memory. But it means nothing if it's coming from the head. I'm speaking the heart. When you quote things, you speak things. When you say things, 
you quote scripture from the heart. When I speak these things on this phone, uh, right now I speak in these programs or anywhere I'm at, I'm speaking what's in my heart. I'm speaking with determination because it, I, I live it. I practice the work and I see it work, you see. I speak it believing it. I'm fully persuaded in this thing, you see. It's not just words that I say, but I fully believe it, and that's what gets the job done, folks. That's what gets the job done in our lives. So know where it's coming from, and you know how to act upon it. You have authority over the devil, and know where it's coming from. You should have enough sense by now not to speak what the devil's words are. Some people, and I've had people that have been in ministry and know better, and they a slip of the tongue, and I've done it too, so I'm not pointing any fingers because everything negative I've done all this negative too. But what I'm going to say is what happens is some people say, my cold, my arthritis, my this or my that, my headache. No, it's not yours, the headache, the thing. It has nothing to do with you. So don't don't lay claim on that. Don't uh, receive that. Don't uh, claim it for yourself or take the deed title to it. You see, it's not yours. When you say it's yours, well, then that's giving the devil more room to keep that thing upon you. No, the headache's not yours. The disease is not yours. It's from the pits of hell. See it that way. It has nothing to do with you. It's your enemy. Amen? Now, I kind of jumped ahead of myself for a second ago, but what God wanted me to do, be fully persuaded what the Word of God says. Uh, Romans 4, 20 and 21. I'm going to read those two scriptures. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Well, that's speaking of, of Abraham right there. Abraham didn't waver in faith that he knew he could bring to pass what he promised. In fact, he even went to the last second on that thing with his son Isaac. Remember, he was just ready to make a, uh, a uh, sacrifice there. He was ready to bring that knife down on his son. And by the way, uh, not too much is uh, said about this, but his son, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 20, he was big enough to be able, if he wanted to, an old guy like that, he could overpower him physically. A 20-year-old is pretty good shape. He's able to deal with the man generally when he's that age and big enough to do it, sometimes strong and tough enough. So recognize something about Isaac. He was willing to lay there and leave his father, get ready to bring that knife upon him as a sacrifice. But remember the last second they saw a ram in the thicket there and told him to stop and they're going to use that, you know, as a sacrifice. So you see, he brought him that far with his own son. He was ready to sacrifice, and he was justified by that act right there. But uh, also Isaac being obedient to that because because would you lay on a sacrificial table right there, would you lay down and leave somebody bringing life, even your father bringing life to you and make you a sacrifice. So you see, that was something too. That was something too. Okay? Be fully persuaded what the Word of God says. In other words, do you really believe it? Are you strong in that? If you're not strong in it, in fact, even if you are strong, quote it, think about it, pray about it, leave it just dwell in you because meditate upon it, you know, don't just quote it and say it or even shout it out loud, but think about it, meditate on along with that, because he says in Joshua uh, 1.8, he said, Medit- uh, or excuse me, Joshua 8.1, meditate upon the word day and night, and you'll make your way successful and prosperous. You make it. God will make a way for you. You do it. See, God laid the plan out, and when you walk and obey the plan, just like I said here about the weapon form of you will prosper. If you work the plan out like he gave you, he told us what to do here. If you walk that plan out, it'll work. So if you walk what God told you to do, it'll automatically work. It's almost like saying the law of gravity. If I go out here, uh, say, and go to a, a swimming pool, and I stand at the edge, and then I jump into the pool, am I going to fall in or am I going to just stand there? Well, you say, of course not. You jump over the edge, you're going to go into the water. Well, naturally, that's what's going to happen. So I did what the law of gravity says, and it happened, didn't it? Well, this is God's laws right here. I do what the law of God says, and it worked the same way as the law of gravity, which is a lot easier for most people to comprehend. But it works for you, you see, because you do it the way he told you, and it has to work. So God laid it out there. He made it for you. He provided it for you. But you did it to make it happen, you see. It wasn't your power that made it happen. He did it in his power because you did and followed the plan of directions he gave you to do that you could receive it. 
It's like a woman baking a cake. If a woman bakes a cake the right way and puts all the ingredients in, the timing, the baking, if she does it the right way, most likely it's going to turn out great, isn't it? It should turn out great because that's the way it was designed to be. But if you pull it out of the oven too quick, don't put the right ingredients in or don't even do it right, you're not going to have a cake, are you? And that's the way it is with the Word of God. You know, We need to take that Word and see what our part is in that, you see. Sometimes we just claim it. Sometimes we have to exempt. We always have to have a right heart before God. Cause John 9.31 says that God hears not the prayer of sinners, but he at which of him and does his will, you see. And uh, we must not have sin in life or unforgiveness. We must have a right heart, and we must have a right attitude. And why do we want something? What is our reason for it? Sometimes we ask for things, but what's the reason that we want things? We want it so we can look like a big somebody, like have a big car so I can impress everybody, a lot of money so I can be the man. Now, see, that's the wrong attitude towards it. That's the wrong purpose, and God won't honor that. But why do you want things? What's your purpose? What's your reason uh, that you want these things to see? We have to examine ourselves for so why we want this, why we want to do that. Are we doing it because we have to? Are we doing it because we really want to for the Lord? Or are we doing it because we just want to impress somebody, want to, want to be big and want to just uh, elevate ourselves, you see? Uh, because we're judged on that. We won't get any rewards if we do things in the attitude of doing things for ourselves and not under the Lord. We're only going to be rewarded for what we did for Jesus. So being fully persuaded that you're willing to take that word and you're so persuaded there's no doubt about it, you're going to do what it says. In other words, the Bible tells us we need to give, doesn't it? We need to tithe. Now, uh, just a short testimony here. I'm not going to get into it. It's in my book. But, you know, the Lord dealt with me tithing many, many years ago. I had three kids. I was out of job. At that time, way back then, uh, I owed about uh, $125 a week for my bills to raise my family and everything. And I was getting $87, you know, on welfare it was because I had a great job, but they shut everything down. We were all laid off. No place else would hire us because we had a good job. They knew we'd go back there. We would go back there, you know, because there was no place around that paid the money like we did. They paid us. So uh, anyhow, I was laid off, and God dealt with me then. Way back then, he said, I want you to start tithing. Well, that would bring me down at that rate. It bring me down to about $75 a week now. It's pretty hard for $75 to cover 125 a week, right? Well, guess what? For six months till I get back to work, they actually brought the people back. I paid all my bills. We ate steak. We didn't get behind in everything. We had money to do things. We were not hurting whatsoever. We lived as good then, probably even better then than we did when I was working. But God did that, you see. But you dare to do that when God says, hey, I want you to give this much a week, and then you look at the, at the book and it says, hey, you need $125. You already got $87 now, and here you are going to 75 You can't make it now. What? I'm fully persuaded to do what God tells me to do and what his word says. Cause therefore, I'm not afraid to do it because I know God's going to do it. I can't see how in the world or when, what's going to happen here, but I trust him and I know he cannot lie. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you believe that, hey, when he tells you something, you're going to do it and you're going to trust him for it no matter it doesn't make sense? But yet he told you to do it and you're going to obey him, you see. And that's what he wants people this day to do. You know, if you want to have a great testimony, that takes faith to step out, doesn't it? In other words, Peter had a great testimony of walking in the water, and I use this so often. But yet, he got out of that boat and actually put forth the effort. Would you get out of that boat like that? Would you believe that? Would you step out and do the same thing? Well, you might say if the Lord told me to, and he was standing there. Well, let's take it uh, this way. His word tells you to, and then the Holy, I'm not saying you should go out and walk in water. He was directing a specific thing. But you're to step out of your boat for something, right? And the Lord's uh, word speaks of it, and the Holy Spirit's leading you to do it. Yet you say, is that me, Lord, or is that you, or is that the devil? What is this? Because you're, you're afraid. You say, oh, my, is that you, Lord? Now, you need to make sure that God's speaking to you. I'm not trying to say you don't do that. But many times we know it's God speaking, but we just don't want to do it, you see. And that's what we, we have to be broken of. We have to jump when the Lord says jump. We say, how high? We don't say, well, is it you, Lord? 
uh, oh, should I do this? Oh, what if? And start making uh, plan A or plan B, plan C. If this doesn't work, I'm going to do this. And if that doesn't work, you don't make safety nets either. That's another thing. Whenever you're following God telling you to do something, you don't make a plan B. A plan B is being double-minded because you have two things there. If the one fails, I'm going to go to the other. And that's really double-mindedness. So you don't, you don't make a plan B. You don't set it up, well, if this doesn't work, I got this, type like that. Because if God's directing you to do something, unless he directs you to do something a certain way, you do it his way. You don't make a plan B saying, well, God, you might, this mightn't work, even though you told me to do it. Isn't that, wouldn't that be ridiculous to say, God, this mightn't work, so I'm going to make another plan there, as if God doesn't know that. So you see these things just don't fit. Pure faith doesn't do that. Pure faith just does the things and sees God do it. And it's so smooth, too. You're not sweating. You're not grinding. You're not doing anything. You're you're just flowing. It's a flow. It's a divine flow. You just flow from one to the other to the other when God did it. But we struggle and everything else when we get into the picture. You see, we fight it and struggle and everything else. When you let go and let God, there's no struggle anymore. The only struggle is is when you get your hand upon it. You get your hand off and let God do it, no struggle. We're not to struggle. We're let go and let God, right? So you need to be fully persuaded in his word. I need to be fully persuaded because only at that place you're going to dare to believe God. And he's looking for men and women that are fully persuaded that he says what he means and mean what he says. Amen. Well, I'm not talking to faint-hearted people or faint-hearted preachers. I'm speaking to people who want to be a mighty man, mighty woman of God today. That's who I'm speaking to. And I, I say these things because that's what God is raising up, a remnant army right now. And it's working already, and we're just seeing the beginning of it. But I'm just uh, trying to get the troops in shape and keep myself in shape in these things because God is grooming us all. He's teaching us all things. Okay, I'm fully persuaded. First of all, I know where these things are coming from. I have wisdom, understanding, and, and discernment. And I'm fully persuaded that God says what he means and means what he says. Now, the third thing, and, of course, I covered this a little earlier, but always before you enter into anything, you bind the devil and cast him out. He says in Matthew 18:18, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you will loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Well, what that simply means is whatsoever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. But he wants you to say it. He causes us to say these things, you see. Uh, when we pray, do you think we have to pray so God knows what we're going to say or, or what we need or what we want? No. Praying isn't for God's sake. It's for our sake. You see, he already knows all these things. And a matter of fact, to take prayer a little further, Praying isn't you talking about just a lot of talking. You can talk and explain things and just like I'd be talking back and forth to somebody, but you're basically declaring his word. Like, Lord, doesn't your word say, by your stripes I'm healed? Well, by your stripes I'm healed. Doesn't your word say you supply all my, all my needs according to your riches and glory? You're supplying all my needs. I can do all things to you that trust me. I'm more than a conqueror. You're just praying back to him. You're declaring. You're declaring his word to him, and he loves to hear that. He loves to hear men and women quoting his word to him, speaking it like they really believe it and really mean it. Wouldn't you like to to uh, have people really believe that thing that you tell them and then come back to you and say, oh, what you said was so great, it really blessed me, really helped me? You would like that. And that's just being the human talk that you and I would do. But what about God, the creator, has given us his word? How do you think he senses and feels about those things? I'm sure he's really happy. He's tickled with that. And a lot of times you ever notice when you say all those things to God, uh, declaring all those things, you feel so good inside, you just feel so blessed. Well, that's, I believe that God's zapping it on you right there for lack of a better way of phrasing it. He just kind of lays it on you right there and makes you sense things so well in his presence, and just, he blesses you for saying those things. He's showing you what he, he senses about these things. He's blessed you. He's giving you a little touch of heaven, a little heavenly touch. Amen? So bind the devil and cast the devil out is the other, other thing that we're to do. We bind him and cast him out. Don't forget that because Jesus said you have to get rid of the strong man before you can take hold of the house. So we need to bind the devil and get him out of anything, whether it's sickness, disease. Even a lot of times when I minister to people that are sick, I'll bind the devil every time, the force of the darkness, because you've got to get darkness out of there and then let the light of Jesus Christ come in and clean everything up, and he'll do it. But that's our job to bind the devil, remember? 
Didn't that the heritage of the saints that we just said a minute ago? They said that we should condemn, we do it, we say it. We're condemning the works of hell, right? So we bind the devil and cast him out. Now, the next thing is receive and declare the promise. Okay, Mark eleven twenty three. these are another very familiar scriptures, but these are, are scriptures that actually bring the re- results if we work them right. And Mark eleven twenty three and 4, I'm going to read first. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, any time I read that verse, I, I point this out all the time. I've known this for years. But if you look in there, uh, uh, that you count that like for uh, believing and saying. We're doing what we believe and say. Uh, you'll see believing in there one time, and you'll see saying or speaking there three times. So that shows you can't just say, well, I believe it in my heart. But you and I have to declare it in our, on our, out of our mouth because death and life are in the power of the tongue, Right. So we've got to say something there you know, to make these things happen, not to say, well, I believe it. I believe it. To declare it according to the word. Like, and I use for the healing quite a bit just because it's the simplest one really to say, but yet there's many other things that you would say, Lord, I thank you that by your stripes I'm made whole. I'm free. Jesus prayed the price. That was done 2,000 years ago. I receive it. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you for that's mine. Healing is mine. You paid by your blood for me. That was in your salvation plan. That's a heritage of the saints. Yes, Lord. Yes, that's the heritage of the state. That's one of the heritage because the weapon formed against you, right there, he says, that's actually a heritage of the servants of God. That's a, that's a heritage, something that we get from being a child of God. That's a heritage for us that you, you and I just declare it, right? Now, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, you believe, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. When you pray, I'll ask somebody this sometimes. When I go to pray uh, for them, I'll say they need the healing or something. Uh, uh, what I ask them, I'll say, what's going to happen when I'm done praying here, when I'm done praying for it? Uh, you, they'll say, well, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. So they say, well, uh, uh, I hope I'm healed. I, I, I hope so. They're not ready to be prayed for. Because when you, and this is where you need to approach your prayers. You need prayer for healing. This is way, for, and I hear people be repeating this repetitiously. Here's the way you should do it. This is really the way. You know, you have a need. Okay, you determine, make sure your heart is right. You determine, I'm going to be going down here and I'm going to believe and ask Brother so-and-so to pray for me, pray with me, read together for my healing. I'm going to go and we're going to do it at 8 o'clock, and I'm going to be healed. I'm going to accept that as my healing time. And you go to Brother so-and-so, whoever it is, and they pray for you. You receive it by faith that time because the things you desire, you pray, believe that you've got them. So you believe that you've got it right then and there. And then you will have it. Now, sometimes it will manifest in a miraculous way. It will be a miracle. Other times it will be gradual. Sometimes it will be a few days. It works many different ways. We don't have control of that. But nevertheless, it begins in heaven from a time that our faith is released to God. But it's up to you and I to stand and patience, let patience care for a perfect work that we will lack nothing, watching our words or actions or attitudes, and don't become double-minded, you see. And when we do that, in fact, uh, to back that verse up, Romans 4.17, and this is, this is tied right in with it, it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things, which be not as though they were. Now, that's speaking of God. When God created the earth, he created creation time. In the book of Genesis, he spoke the things that weren't as though they are and they became. And, you know, that's how you and I are supposed to do it. We speak, like in Mark eleven twenty four. I speak, I declare I'm healed. I might feel this is bad, look, this is bad, and the same uh, symptoms are there, uh, and the same uh, facts are there, right? The doctor's facts are there. But... By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. And when I declare that and speak that out, even though it isn't, it will become so gradually, it's going to turn that thing around. If it doesn't happen instantaneously, it might be a day two, whatever. But when you apply that, you apply that, it already began in heaven. And as you stand fast, that thing's going to flip over and it's going to become a reality. Because God's truth goes above the doctor's facts. 
or goes above your bank account facts, goes, again, goes above what circumstances are in your marriage or in your family, wherever you have problems. It can be a million problems. But wherever the problem is, as you speak that problem resolved by the word of God, as you believe that and stand upon that and declare that, you're speaking of things that aren't, and you see a good marriage, and you have a problem in your marriage, okay? You see a good marriage, and you're praying, you're seeking the Lord about things. You see that good marriage, and you're declaring, I'm going to have the marriage that God wants me to have, the marriage that pleases him. And then you're open for instruction, because many times when we want things, we have some things to learn before God is able to turn it around. But nevertheless, you're declaring that thing. You're holding fast to that. You're not saying, well, things are lousy. I guess they're going to be lousy. It's not going to work. I might have a lousy life. See, that's too, too often people are negative like that. And I'm saying that, that, uh, that you don't walk in the joy of the Lord like that. The joy of the Lord is in you when you see things the way the Word of God declares them and you believe them, whether you have them yet manifested or not. The joy of the Lord is simply believing God and worshiping Him. And allow His joy to be in your heart. Because if you have the joy of the Lord, no matter what state you're in, in your life, whatever your circumstances are, you're going to be above them. You're going to be in the clouds that your mind will tell you, why in the world am I so joyous and happy here? Look what I'm facing. They'll say, man, you're facing this, you're facing that, and here you are, joyful. How can I be? Are you crazy? Well, see, that's the joy of the Lord. It defies the mind. It defies everything because it's a spiritual truth. Truth overshadows facts. The facts of this world, doctors, you name it, whatever this world says, the facts are, are not truth. They are facts, but God kind of overrides the facts, folks. God is greater than the facts. He created these things, so God will turn around the facts for your favor, you see. God can grow grass and concrete. He can do all things, you see. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing impossible. Jesus said that things are impossible for you. With Father God, they're not impossible. Everything's possible with him. So you have to see possibilities in everything by his word. His word declares it. So if his word declares it, there can be nothing impossible for you to happen in your life and for your life, no matter how dismal and impossible it looks. There isn't a place, there isn't such a place as hopelessness. There's no such thing as hopelessness because where there's life, there's that truth, and there's that re- reality of a God that says in Psalms 46, 1, I'm a very present help in time of need and in time of trouble. And, of course, come to me, you see, is what he's actually saying to us. And if you will go to God in your lowest, repent, give your life to him. And, and if you're a Christian and you're going through this, just go to him and repent or anything that you need to do, if there's something you need to do, but just seek him right there and say, God, I need your help. That's it. He's a very present help for you in time of trouble, you see. So there's no place that we can ever, ever get or be that it's hopeless. There isn't such a thing as being hopeless. The devil is the one that speaks that into your ear. And what do we do about things that come into our, our brain, you know, our mind? We're to cast down all things that, that uh, are not relevant to the word of God. There are things that are negative. Would you call hopelessness a negative thing from God? Well, of course not. That's from the devil, isn't it? That's to bring you down and cause you maybe even to commit suicide. People commit suicide because of hopelessness. And that's a spirit, and that spirit is right now, I bind that. If there's anybody even listening here right now about this, I bind that spirit of suicide, and I command that suicide out of anybody right now is dealing with this in the name of Jesus Christ. Spirit of suicide must go. Spirit of suicide must go in the name of Jesus. I command it to go. And I speak the hope of God into your life right now, the transition of God in your life to turn things around for you and for you to recognize that the God, the living God, and the God that loves you and cares for you. I speak that to you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I believe it must be something, somebody must be dealing something like that because I've never did it like that before. It wouldn't even come out. We weren't even talking about that. So somebody needed to hear that tonight. Okay. We receive by faith. And by faith, when we receive it, you know, a lot of people say, well, I need uh, faith to believe. Well, if you believe, you do have faith. But it isn't so much just the believing, but it's faith to receive. Because after you believe something, you need to receive it. And faith says, I got it now, no matter what you see or don't see, you see. 
It boils down to you have it when you release your faith, whether it manifests or not. The only difference is some things manifest immediately, some things are, are a little later. Miracles happen right away, some other things are later. But you've got it, and you have to believe that you've got it until you actually have it manifested in your life. That's what it boils down to. Things you desire when you pray, believe what you receive, then you will have them. You can take that to the bank. Okay? The last thing on here is maintain patience. Watch this. In Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, I'll read those to you. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience after that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And James 1, 4 says, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. Okay? Patience is the twin sister of faith. Now, after you've done the will of God, it said you are to have patience. Now, what's patience for? Well, that means you've done God's will and it hasn't showed you anything yet. You haven't gotten what you did God's will representing. So you're waiting for the manifest that didn't happen. But you're expecting it to happen. So therefore, you have patience. You're saying, I've got it. I thank you, God. I've got it because I did what you wanted. I thank you for it, Lord. I praise you for it. I've got it. And you don't come back the next day or two and say, Lord, give that to me. I don't know if I got it. Because, see, the devil will try to get you into double-mindedness. People will start praying again maybe a day or two later. They, They feel they had it one day and then the next day a little weaker. Maybe the second or third day they say, oh, my, maybe I didn't get it. Well, see, that's when... When you feel like doing or saying, Lord, oh, do I have it? Oh, must the work? Oh, God, give it to me. I can't take it. When you get to that place, that's when you start praising God for it. You thank him for it. Lord, I thank you for it. I've got it. I believe it. I do have it, Father, because your word declares whatever you're standing for. You speak and quote that word to him and just thank you for it, raising your hands and praising him for it. And when you do that, you're going to feel a, a, a new strength. A lot of times you're back where you were when you actually received that by faith. It'll be right there, you see. But you don't cave in and, and uh, become double-minded and say, oh, man, maybe I don't have it. But, see, that's where you have to hang tough. And that's what they call patience, enduring through those times of temptation the devil tries to throw a roadblock to get you in double-mindedness. And a double-minded what? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and won't receive anything of the Lord, the Bible says the book of James. So these are a few things here that uh, we went over here to understand that weapon form against you will prosper. And, of course, the more you serve God, the more you're doing. And for the kingdom of God, the greater the attacks are and, and situations and circumstances try to come your way. But it's up to you if a weapon formed against you will prosper. Remember what we read. The heritage of you and I is that we condemn them. We condemn them by the word of God and we declare the word over it and get rid of it, you see, and it won't prosper. If we don't do it, it won't get done, you see. So it's on our lap, but yet no weapon will form that's formed against us will prosper if we don't allow it to prosper. And that's what this message is about tonight, that you and I won't allow the messages of Satan, the forces of darkness, weapons that come against us, prosper you see this is how you do it folks so uh listen to this uh, again this teaching again and, and ask god to help you what how does it apply to me how does what should i do because each of you are an individual i'm giving you general truth right here and ask god to help you to apply it to your life that you can walk this in this and see what he's going to do in and see what he's going to do through your life that's what it's all about and if you will do this, you're going to see a change in your life. Many many people want a life change right now because it's been a real battle, folks, and I, I'll be the first one to admit it. It's been a battle, and I deal with people all the time in ministry and, and well, I, all the time. I have this program, I have another program on them. seeing it all the time, phone calls, whatever. And I know God's people, and I'm getting tired of seeing God's people getting hurt and beat up by the devil and his, his uh, cohorts. I'm very angry and very tired about it. And it's time that you and I raise up, take out authority God has given us, and stand against the evil of this world and what's going on in this world right now and the evil principles and uh, things that they try to put into law and things that they try to poison the people with. 
and what they're doing and stand by what the word of God says to see. I think of Peter, you know, when they healed the lame man, uh, they were told not to speak of Jesus anymore. And of course, they're trying that now. That's a lot of places that's, that's happening. And we haven't experienced it here, but a lot of places are experiencing and we're having persecution for what we believe. But what I am going to say to you is uh, they told Peter they put him in jail, then they released him. They said, listen, we don't, we're going to put you in jail again if you speak of this man, Jesus, and you don't speak again anymore here. Well, Peter told the leaders there, the religious leaders and those in power, he said, God told us to do this, and you told us not to. Now, who are we going to believe? I'm kind of paraphrasing. Who are we going to believe? Are we going to listen to you, or are we going to listen to God? And you see, you and I got to listen to God. And by listening to God, that means that we're not only going to introduce people to Jesus, but we're going to teach his principles and his truth. And when you are faced with challenges from those that go against those things and try to bring ungodly abominations to you, you you deal with them. In fact, uh, Ephesians 5.11 says, have no unfellowship with the work of darkness, but reprove them, you see. You don't fall bait and try to coexist with those that are evil. You can't coexist. You've got to point the truth out. You've got to walk and live in the truth. And he said in 2 Timothy 3.12, those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So this is a time of persecution, but it's the greatest time of blessing, the greatest time. And if you and I will dare to believe God and stand, we're going to see ourselves being used like we never even dreamed of. We're going to be blessed like we've never known before because God is stepping in. When he steps in, this world is going to shake. I know we're seeing a lot of evil going on now, but judgment's about to fall on people right now that are doing what they are because it's starting to make Sodom and Gomorrah look like a uh, church group almost, the way that evil this, this world has become. And God's just not going to put up with it very much longer. There's going to be things happening that people will find out that God is not a big Santa Claus in the sky. He's a God of mercy, love, and grace, but he's a God of judgment and a God that does not be toyed with or played with or played games with because God is playing games no longer. This is no longer time to straddle the fence or play church. If you're playing church, you're going to get run over is what's going to happen because the devil will run you over because he don't care about your churchy stuff. He cares about the things that are going to destroy him. And what I'm talking about tonight are the things that will destroy Satan. Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan, the Bible tells us. And that's how you and I destroy the works of Satan, by showing them Jesus Christ and how he lived, how he stood, and dealing with the darkness by the power of God, casting demons out. That's how we take Satan's territory from him. Amen? Okay. Well, that's about everything I have for tonight. But I do encourage you, please, to uh, listen listen to this again and go over these things and pray and say, Lord, how does this affect me? What do you want in my life? Because God wants to turn your life around. He wants to make you a remnant warrior or a mighty warrior in his hands to do great things for him. And he wants to bless you because he wants to show himself in this world like never before. And he shows himself not only through himself sovereignly but through you. Through me, you see, he wants to show himself. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word that you give me tonight, the things that you said, and, and things that come out. I, <laughs> you know, I don't didn't know anything about this or anything. I said things I would not anticipate. But, Father, you know, I always say, Lord, you say what you want to say because it's not me anyhow. But I would just ask you now, Father, to use this program tonight this this uh, audio, Father, this radio program, and to touch the lost, to touch those that have needs, to touch those that are, are needs set free, and to get those on fire that need to be on fire, those that need to be filled with your spirit, to move upon every one of their hearts, Father, and to minister to them, moving them towards the realm that they will be even remnant warriors, Father, we'll have a larger remnant army even than we do now. Father, we desire that to happen, that you will raise up this army, a mighty army for you, Father. We certainly need your help with this. So I just ask your blessing upon all these people right now. And I thank you for this wonderful privilege to deliver your word to the people. And I just declare your blessings upon them. I declare them healed, 
filled, strengthened, delivered, set free. I declare them on fire for Jesus and their greatest hunger that they've ever experienced in their life. Because, Father, you tell us in your word in Philippians 2.13, it's, it's you that works in us to will and to do your good pleasure. And I know that's your good pleasure, what I was talking about tonight. I know that's your good pleasure. So I pray that it will manifest in many lives tonight. And, Father, for all it's accomplished, we'll glorify and praise you. For it's the name of your Son we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Okay, folks, I really enjoyed being with you tonight, and we'll be with you two weeks from tonight. I think today is the 11th. It'll be the uh, 25th because I'm on the uh, second Tuesday and uh, last Tuesday of every month. I'm on twice a month. So I will invite you all back to, to listen again and to share these words with people, not only in my teaching and preaching on the network here, uh, but also others. They have other good messages on here from good ministers of the gospel. And uh, I do uh, ask you to invite people on to listen. And I do ask you to respond, too. There's on the uh, site there, Reaching Out Radio International, there's a place for comments down there. So if you scroll down there, please write comments, uh, questions, comments, or whatever. Get in touch with us. Let us know what's going on because we don't see what's going on. I know in my spirit what's going on many times. I know when things happen. I know when they don't. I know what's going on in my spirit. But we need to hear from you. We need to hear from you, you know. We like to communicate. We like to give your testimony because that encourages, not only encourages uh, ourselves, but it encourages all the listeners because when we have prayer and we pray for people, we expect results and we see results and people need to see that. There isn't anything worse than hearing a lot of prayer requests and nobody ever gives testimony. In fact, the matter is, he said in Psalms 105.1, make known my deeds among the people. So please testify, testify what God is doing. Bring glory to him. All right, everybody, I want to say good night to you now, and I just speak the blessings of God over you. I love you, and we'll see you in two weeks. And you have a blessed night. Good night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.